What's up, City Light? My name is Chuck, and uh, I get to be one of the pastors here. And uh, my primary responsibility is to connect people with our church um, on more than just Sunday mornings. So one, one of the things we do on Sunday mornings, we gather together like we are now. And if you want to kind of think of it like, a, like this is a big family reunion, right? This is the family reunion, and then throughout the week, we scatter into smaller, closer um, uh, units or families that we call city groups. And so city groups are the primary ways that we, uh, that we connect, that we disciple. Our mission is to multiply disciples and churches, and city groups are the main way that we do that. We disciple through our city groups. So this morning, if you are interested, maybe you want to take a look at and find more about what city groups are, you can do a couple different things. You can see me after our gathering. You can fill one of the connect cards that's in front of you and in, uh, in the chair back. Fill one of those out. Put your name that you're interested in city group. Drop it in the giving box, and I'll reach out to you this week. Or you can email me. It's chuck at citylightcb.org. You can't get much simpler than that. So, is it too early to say Merry Christmas? No? Okay, good. I haven't said it yet to anyone. I usually wait till somebody says it to me, and then maybe I'll uh, wish other people a Merry Christmas. But in our family, we are in all-out Christmas mode. Um, we have some traditions around our house around the Christmas time. And so what we do the weekend after uh, Thanksgiving is... Our family's together, and we go out to a local tree farm here in Council Bluffs, and we pick out that perfect tree. You know, sometimes it takes longer than others, but we'll pick out the perfect tree that's going to fit in the spot and lean just the right way. And then we'll get that tree home, and we'll put it in its base, let it fall two or three times, and we will um, put some lights on it. We'll decorate it up. We'll grab all of the decorations and Christmas ornaments that the kids have made throughout the years, and we'll decorate our Christmas tree. All the while, there's a pot of chili that's simmering on the stove. And so after we're done, we will grab that pot of chili and hang out, and we'll talk about our family. We'll talk in our family about what Jesus has done, the different uh, ways that we've been experiencing him as family. That's one of our traditions. And just like our family has some traditions um, to, to help us think about who Jesus is and what he's done, our church does the very same thing. We have the tradition, as in the weeks leading up to Christmas, we talk about the birth of Jesus. And so this year, we are in Matthew chapter 1 and 2. Now, the Bible, it's divided into two parts. You have the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the Old Testament is broken up in 39 different chapters or books that we call them. And it's written by lots of different authors, some of which are Moses and David. And then you also have the New Testament. The New Testament is broken up into 27 different chapters or books. And the first four of those books are math, written by four guys. They're Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Each of these guys, they tell us about the life of Jesus. We call these first four books the Gospels. We call them the Gospels because they share the good news 
that God saves sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Now, with all of those books and all of those authors and all the different characters and stories that go on within the Bible, it's easy to get lost in the story, isn't it? Kind of like the way I experience the Marvel comic movies. I mean, am I the only one in the room that gets lost when it comes to all of these different Marvel movies that have come out? Like early on, I tracked with Iron Man, the different Iron Man movies. I tracked with Hulk. I even was able to track with uh, the Avengers series. All of those made sense. But when they started adding all of these different characters, these new characters with secret identities and special powers, I just got lost to the point where I didn't want to sit and wait and watch a movie for two and a half hours only to find out that it was too complex for me to understand and I got lost in the middle of it anyways. Maybe I'm just too old to keep track. I don't know, but uh, that's probably the, the issue. I'm so thankful that God cared enough about his story to make sure that we don't get lost in that story. God wants us to have clarity on a story that he saves sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So he had each of the writers of the, um, of the Gospels share their unique perspective. They wrote it down almost 2,000 years ago, and God preserved it over the years so that it would be clear to us why Jesus came. Matthew is clearly letting us know that Jesus is qualified to be the long-expected king. Jesus' family tree, Matthew's letting us know that Jesus' family tree qualifies him to be the king. When he announces that Jesus is king, he's saying, when he's announcing that Jesus is born, he's saying that Jesus is king. Jesus is the one that we've always hoped for. So we're going to look at this today in two different parts. Jesus is the faithful king, and he invites us in. He's the faithful king, and he invites us in. So let's get started. The story of Jesus' biography begins in Matthew with a genealogy, and it echoes the different genealogies that we find all throughout the Old Testament. Matthew looked at this part of the story as a continuation of the story that he was told and the story that he, was, that he had heard since he was a young boy. It's the story that God redeems his people. The, the genealogy, it begins and it ends with probably the three biggest names in Jewish history, Abraham, David, and Jesus. Matthew, he begins by letting us know that Jesus is the son of David. Jesus is in direct line of the greatest king that the Jewish people had ever known, David. Now, this would have resonated with the Jewish people because they were hoping for a king that would take them out of oppression, that would liberate them from the oppression that they were experiencing under the Roman government. They were looking for a king that would restore them to greatness like they once were. They based this hope on a promise that the Lord gave David back in 2 Samuel chapter 7. Let's take a look at that. 
2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 through 15, says, When your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you. Who will come from your own body and I will establish his kingdom? He is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. My love will never be taken away from him. David was a king that was remembered for killing giants and defeating enemies. David was a worshiper and he's described in the Bible as a man after God's own heart. This is the man that people heard stories about for generations. If there ever was a great king, it was David. If there was, like, these people of the Jewish nation, they followed, Jesus, followed David. They loved David. They listened to David. This King David was the quintessential king. It's the guy that they had always hoped for. King David, he writes love poems. He sings songs. He worships. King David fought battles, and he was a brilliant king, a brilliant king. But King David, he wasn't a faithful king. He wasn't always faithful. David was also a guy that um, he arranged an adulterous relationship. And then in order to cover that up, he orchestrated a murder. King David, as great as he was, or as great as he seemed, ended up messing up. All the people who loved him and served him were disappointed. He wasn't the king that they had hoped for. Have you ever been disappointed or let down by a king? That maybe sounds a little bit weird because we're not in a kingdom. We're in a democracy. But think about it like this. A king is anyone or anything that you serve who has power in your life and who you listen to and build your life around. Think of a king like that. And I think we all serve some type of a king. Like for me, my disappointing king usually comes in the form of jobs. Um, I have never had a problem in holding a job or getting a job. But what I tend to, to, tends to happen with me is I get bored with my job. <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things that if there's a not of, enough of a, of a challenge, I tend to get bored and I get disappointed and I get a little bit unsatisfied. So I have to have these challenges in order to keep me going. That's why I kind of like working here at City Light Church. That's why I like being one of the pastors. There's always something to challenge me, whether it's maybe trying to be as cool as Eric Wiggum. <laughs> that's that's possible. Stop it, he said. <clears throat> or maybe have hair as nice as Doug's. That's always a challenge. But there's always some type of challenge, and so I love being one of the pastors here at City Light. Seriously, though, there was a time when um, I had a great job, and I was working for AT&T, and I was at the top of my game. I mean, it was a great job. I was probably um, one of the two or three people um, in my management level uh, on on a five-state region. I mean, I I had a qualified for and was getting the largest annual bonus that um, a person at my level of management could get. Had done that for a couple of years. Well, money wasn't the problem, but 
I got bored, and I was disappointed in that this job bored me instead of inspired me. I was realizing that this job was trapping me instead of freeing me. So what did I do? I went out and looked for another job and found another little king that also couldn't deliver. These jobs, these things that I was chasing, they weren't meant to deliver what I was looking for. I was looking to these jobs, these vocations, um, to serve or free me on a level that they were never meant to do. We all try to serve lesser kings, don't we? And we eventually realize that they don't serve us. They actually enslave us. And we get disappointed. We serve lesser kings like comfort. Maybe it's materialism. Maybe it's gluttony. Maybe it's laziness. Maybe the king that you serve is sex. Maybe the king that you serve is the next high. We serve things like significance and influence only to find out that they're kings all right, but they enslave us. They're not in it for our freedom. They aren't faithful kings. They have no concern for our joy or for our peace. These kings don't show us love and they don't give us hope. They leave us on the outside wondering when we can get more. They never match up to the promises that they make. In the end, they're kind of like David, right? They seem great, but they aren't faithful. Now, what does all that have to do with baby Jesus and his genealogy that we're reading today? Well, in Matthew 1.1, right at the very beginning, Matthew calls Jesus the son of David. And here's what he's doing. He's telling the readers of this genealogy including you and me, that Jesus, he's the greater king. Jesus is better than King David. Jesus is the faithful king. He's more than you imagined a perfect king to be, and he's going, we're going to spend an eternity worshiping him. We're going to worship him for the million different ways that he shows us that he's more than we could ever imagine. Jesus is the faithful king. And my friend Craig, he'll tell you that Jesus is a faithful king. You see, it wasn't too long ago that Craig would celebrate this time of year with a party and a bottle and really care less about who he hurt along the way. But this past summer, he met King Jesus. And he chose, king, cho- chose to have Jesus as his king. Craig was baptized, and now he's trying to figure out what it looks like for him to serve Jesus in a greater way. He found that King Jesus is different from the party king. He's different from the comfort king. He's the faithful king, and he hasn't looked back. Amen? Matthew, he continues by telling us that Jesus is also the son of Abraham. Look back at verse number one. It says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, this would have also caught the ear of the average Jewish person, person because everyone knew who Abraham was. 
He was the father of the Jewish nation. And just like David, they heard stories about Abraham since they were toddlers. He's like the Iron Man or the Captain America of that time, except the story of Abraham is a true story. And man, what an incredible story it was. Abraham was this guy that began life as an outsider, but God brought him on the inside and invited him in. In Acts chapter 7, the first ever deacon of the church, um, his name was Stephen, one of the first ever deacons. His name is Stephen, and he's preaching to a religious crowd. And he starts way back with the gospel. He starts way back with Abraham. And he's talking about who Abraham is. And in Acts 7, 4, he, talks, he says that Abraham went out from the land of the Chaldeans. Now, the Chaldeans were a people that they worshipped the earth, the moon, and the stars. That's what they looked to for answers. They were like modern-day astrologers or maybe palm readers. They were outsiders because they didn't worship the true God. They didn't worship the God of the Bible. That's where Abraham came from. Abraham came from Chaldea. That's what he was born into. He was an outsider. And Genesis 12, it tells us that he was invited in to be part of God's plan. Now look at Genesis chapter 12, um, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and in and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Abraham was an outsider that was chosen by God, and he promised to work through Abraham to bless all nations. The Christmas story, it begins with Matthew telling us that Jesus is the one that fulfills that promise to Abraham. But why does that matter, uh, matter to us? Most of us, like I don't think a whole lot of us in this room have a deep, rich Jewish heritage. There might be a few of us in here, but chances are most of us don't have a Jewish heritage. So why should we care that this guy named Jesus is the fulfilled promise to the Jewish nation. Here's why it matters. The rest, of God, the rest of the gospel of Matthew tells us how Jesus lived. And it shows us that Jesus was different. It talks about how Jesus lived a life and he called people to himself. How he healed the sick and how he served the poor. And it talks about how he eventually ticked off the religious crowd and they orchestrated his crucifixion. And it talks about how he was crucified on a cross and how he died a death and was buried in a borrowed tomb. But that that borrowed tomb couldn't hold him. It didn't have the power to hold him. And so Jesus raised his body up from the dead. And as he appeared to his friends as a resurrected Jesus, it talks about how he told his friends, I'm going to come back one day. But before he leaves, he gives us a command. And he says, go and make disciples. Of what? All nations. 
Go and make disciples of all nations. You see, Jesus is a faithful king, and he invites us in. I hate the feeling of being an outsider. I don't know about you guys, but it's like one of the worst feelings for me. But there was this one time when I definitely felt like an outsider. I, was, uh, I, I get the privilege of being an Iowa high school football official. And we were out at a game one time. Basically what that means is I get to hang out with a group of five guys, and we go and officiate high school football on Friday nights in small towns, you know, bigger towns around here, council bluffs, all that kind of stuff. And one of the things that we like to do after we officiate a game is we like to go hang out and to a local restaurant, grab some food and maybe some beverages. And it's just something that we enjoy. We talk about the game, just talk about life. It's a great time for us as a group of five. And there was this one time that we weren't quite sure where we were going to go. And so I found this place on the internet, and we decided that we would go there. Well, we walked in the door, and it was evident that we were outsiders. I mean, it was like a scene from a movie where you walk in the doors and everybody goes, you know, I mean, they just looked at you like you had something on your face or something. It was a bad scene, but we didn't let that bug us, so we ended up finding a seat. Took us a little bit, but we found a seat, and we're sitting there. We're wanting to order some food, and so we waited, and we waited, and we waited a little bit more only to find out that we didn't think that we were going to get any service to order some food and some beverages. So we did what most of you would do, is we got up, and we walked out. It was the strangest feeling that I've ever had to be an outsider in a place that I felt like wanted us to be there. They advertised that they had wings, right? I wanted some wings, but I didn't have any access to these wings. It was a, I was confused, and it was one of the few times in my life where I felt like I was in a place I didn't belong, where I was actually unwelcome, and I didn't know why. That's what it was like for me to be an outsider. But what does it look like to be invited in? Maybe this will help. Jen and I, we have three kids. We have Brittany, who's 25, and she uh, lives in Lincoln. She's on staff at City Light there and uh, is doing well. And then we have Kyle. He's 22. He's married to Haley. Uh, He works for a roofing company, and uh, they go to Providence Church in Omaha, and they're doing quite well also. And we have Cole. Cole is part of our church here uh, in Council Bluffs here at City Light. And he, he's a great kid. He's a local mechanic here in town. And uh, he just got engaged recently, yes, to a sweet gal named Cheyenne, whom we love deeply. Now, Cheyenne, she had a pretty rough time growing up. Her family became homeless, and she ended up in the foster system. And after moving from a foster home to foster home, Cheyenne was placed with a family and trainer. The mom and dad, Josh and Shelly, um, they loved Cheyenne through some really hard times. And as they were talking during these times, they felt that the only right thing for them to do was to adopt Cheyenne. And so they approached Cheyenne, and they invited her to be a part 
of the family. Cheyenne accepted that invitation, and she became their daughter. They didn't just want to provide her like a warm place and clothes and some food. They wanted her to be a part of the family. They wanted Cheyenne to be their daughter. Cheyenne was once an outsider. She was in a different family from a completely different place. But she became an insider when she accepted the invitation of Josh and Shelly. That's the miracle of Christmas. Christmas isn't the time of year where we celebrate that Jesus sent us an invitation to join his party. We don't celebrate that he emailed us a link and wants us to RSVP. He didn't send a card in the mail with a cute picture of himself and an, uh, a, like a self-addressed stamped envelope so we can let him know whether or not we're going to be there. Christmas reminds us that King Jesus invited us in by becoming one of us. King Jesus, he left his throne, slept in a stable, walked among us, and hand-delivered this invitation to welcome us into the family. Jesus became the king among us, and he died for us. And then by his own power, he raised himself from the dead to show that he's way different than any other king that has ever been before or ever will come in the future. That's why we celebrate this morning. Jesus is the faithful king, and he invites us to be a part of his family. Man, to accept this invitation is as easy as ABC. Have you ever felt like an outsider? Maybe like me, whenever we went into that restaurant? Man, we want you to know that you're invited, much like Cheyenne was invited, to be part of a family. You're invited to be a part of the family, and Jesus paid the cost for you. To, to accept this invitation is as easy as ABC. You, a, you admit that you're a sinner. B, you believe that what Christ did on the cross, he did for you. And then C, you commit your life to him. That's it. A, B, C. Admit that you're a sinner. Believe that what Jesus did on the cross, he did for you. And then commit your life to him. Maybe you're like me and you've followed Jesus for years. But you still struggle with serving some of the lesser kings that present themselves to us on a daily basis. And you find out that they've overpromised, they've underdelivered, and they leave you holding the bag at the end of the day. King Jesus, he invites you in too. He invites you to lay down the burden, to lay down that struggle, to lay down the shame of following that king. He wants you to know that you can follow him too. He's inviting you in to be a part of the family. Now, here's what that might look like. Here's what it looked like for me. You get with a friend. You tell a friend, hey, this is an area that I'm struggling in. Would you help me lay this thing down? Would you help me follow King Jesus in a deeper and more meaningful way? Maybe you could go get, get a hold of a city group leader. And tell the city group leader the same thing. Man, I would love it. Eric would love it if 
you came up to us at the end of the gathering and said, I want to lay this lesser king down. I want to follow Jesus in a deeper and more meaningful way. Can you show me how to lay this thing down? Maybe that's what it means for you. City Light, I love you guys. Let's celebrate together this year that Jesus is the faithful king and that he's inviting us to be a part of the family. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you for the privilege that we have to call you dad, for the privilege that we have of being a part of your family. And God, I just pray now, Lord, that if there's an individual here right now who doesn't know what it mean to, means to accept that invitation, Father, that they would um, search somebody out, that they would, they would just accept the invitation that you've laid before them, Lord. God, for people who are here who are following lesser kings like, like myself, God, would you just help us to understand that you're there, that, you, that with you we can lay down the shame of following that, that lesser king. We can lay down the burden of following that lesser king. And Father, we just pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would move in and among us right now. And that as we um, go over these next few minutes, Father, we pray, Lord, that, our, um, that you would just work in our hearts. Yeah, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.